You're listening to a message from Third Church in Richmond, Virginia, where we believe we are called together for the renewal of all things through Jesus Christ. To learn more about Third or how you can get involved with our community, please check out our website, thirdrva.org. That's T-H-I-R-D-R-V-A dot org. Thanks for listening. If you've been with us uh, the last few weeks, you know that we're looking um, here in the fall at this series called um, Life with God, Life with Others, and Life for the World. And what we're trying to do is just, um, after a long season of disruption, uh, and before we go on a short-term mission trip together to the mall, um, we're, we're doing some spiritual exercising. We're, we're getting ourselves back in spiritual shape, and we're looking at some um, practices that we can engage in together that lead to spiritual health. And we're basing these practices on the person of Jesus. Jesus oriented his whole life around God as Father, his, the men and women who were his disciples, and then the world in need. Jesus patterned his life around those three relationships, up and out. And so we're seeking to pattern our lives as disciples in the same way, life with God, life with each other, life for the world in need. So the first two weeks, we looked at life with God. We looked at that upward relationship, and we talked about these two practices. I commend these to you. Be fully present with the church every Sunday, every Sunday, and you did it today. Good job. And second, be fully present with God every day. Live a life of communion with God every day. Um, these next two weeks, first, last week, we looked at our life with others. We looked at regularly gathering with your community. Everyone needs some smaller form of Christian community. And then today we're looking at this practice, regularly serve and give your gifts. So let's open to 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. Let's hear God's word as it's read. Peter writes this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. I want to tell you a story about a car. So in the late 1990s, Becky and Neil Bowers, two of our covenant partners, were a young family. Becky was pregnant with their first child. Um, They were driving down the road one day and they were hit by another vehicle and they were okay, but their car was totaled. It was their only vehicle at the time and they didn't have much money and they didn't really have a way to get another one. Well, one Sunday morning, they were here at third, sitting in this very room and someone walked up to them and handed them an envelope and said, this is not from me, but someone who heard about your situation wanted me to give this to you. And Becky opened it up and it was full of $2,000 of cash. And so Becky and Neil took that money and they bought a 1988 Volvo 240 station wagon, which was only 10 years old at the time and was even better than the car that they lost. So that car served their family for 20 years through lots of change, multiple reckless teen drivers. Um, And finally, in 2019, the brakes failed and then the pandemic hit and no mechanics were taking any new cars and so there was no way to fix it. So the Volvo sat in front of their house uh, for months, and finally they just decided, we're just going to tow it to the junkyard. 
So Becky works at Third, and I overheard her talking about this one day at lunch, and it was just about the time that our oldest started to drive, and we were looking for a third car. I, my, I've, my family had a Volvo 240 growing up. I've always been attached to those vehicles. And so I asked Becky, can I buy it from you? And she said, buy it? You can have it if you just get rid of it for us. <laughs> so it didn't run. Um, and so I reached out to another church member, Kurt Kaiser, who's from City South Parish, and he's a good mechanic. And Kurt um, towed it for me to his house, and he checked it out. Turns out the entire internal frame was rusted through. And so he called another third member, Patrick Wallace, who's a professional welder. Um, and the two of them welded and welded for days. I was told the interior caught on fire at some point, covering the entire inside of the car with ash. And Court Roseborough scraped all of the ash out of the car with a razor blade. Um, after the welding, Kurt began to replace every single part that was broken. His parish group, the City South Parish group, put up an offering to pay for all of the parts. And finally, the car was restored. Here's a picture of me with uh, Patrick and Kurt. That's Patrick on the left, and that's Kurt on the right. And this is the Volvo, if you want to see it. There it is in all its glory. I will... I will um, I will never give up this car. <laughs> Not only because I love it, because it's a Volvo 245 speed, but because it is a sign of the generosity and service of our community spanning for 25 years. An anonymous cash gift, a response to an acute need, a stewarding of mechanical skills, a generous gift of time and money and expertise. The car itself is the cumulative result of the generosity and service of God's people. The whole thing is a gift from beginning to end. See, cars can make you cry. <laughs> so when you hear me rattling by, don't make fun of my car. It is a signpost of God's grace in action. So this week, we're looking at this practice, regularly serve and give your gifts. And what we're seeing is that Service and generosity, those two things that Vicki, you talked about, service and generosity, the act of giving ourselves out of the overabundance of what God has given to us is actually the engine that makes the body of Christ function. Service and generosity, giving to one another out of the abundance of what God has given to us. Our key scripture today, which was in our text, is... Uh, an amazing verse, 1 uh, Peter 4.10. In fact, it's so important, I just would love for us to, to read it together, sort of liturgically together. So let's do that now. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You see, I've highlighted faithful stewards there. Interestingly, kids, I told you I was going to quiz you. We learned a word last week, oikos. Remember that? Anybody remember what it means? Household. It does not mean yogurt, Brooke. It's yeah, household. Good job. Um, interestingly, steward is the Greek word oikonomos. So oikos is household. Oikonomos, steward, is keeper of the household. And that's actually similar to the English word. The English word steward is an 11th century word. It comes from sty, which means like, you know, pig sty, like a little house, and ward, which is keeper. So keeper of the house. So a steward was basically someone... A, a big landowner or an estate owner would put a steward in charge of the estate, and it was up to that steward to control and to take care of the domestic affairs of the household. 
And what the Bible teaches again and again is that this is who we are to God. That God, we hear in Genesis 1, God created everything. God gifted everything to humans just out of the abundance of his heart of love. And everything that we have, everything in all creation, from the rivers and the trees, from the mountains and the fields, to our very bodies and everything that we own, everything is created and owned and given by God as a gift. And now we are the stewards. We are the men and women that God has entrusted that we might take on his behalf responsibility for what he's given. I love what Randy Alcorn says. He says, a steward manages assets for the owner's benefit. The steward carries no sense of entitlement to the assets he manages. It's his job to find out what the owner wants done with his assets, then carry out his will. So in the biblical view, God is the creator, and therefore your entire life is a gift. Everything in your life is a gift, and therefore your entire life is a life of stewardship. It's not just the offering time at church. Your entire life is a life of stewardship because in the end, nothing belongs to you and everything belongs to God. It's your job to find out what the owner wants done and then to use what's been given to you to carry out the owner's purposes. Does that make sense? That's really a a core concept for the Christian life. Now, the implications of this are vast, right? We could talk about environmental stewardship, how humans are called to take care of the creation and the environment and how we've done that so poorly and how we're called to do it better. We could talk about bodily stewardship, the way that we take care of our physical bodies. We could have a whole sermon series on stewardship. Oh, we did, fall of 2019. Go back and listen. Um, But Peter, in this particular verse, is talking about a particular kind of stewardship, and that's stewardship within the church. What he's arguing is, is that the church is the community of stewards, that the church is a community that has been given gifts, all kinds of gifts from God's own hand, And now as the people of God, we're now called to steward those gifts for one another on behalf of each other. And this strengthens us and is ultimately for God's glory. We are the community of stewards. We are stewards of grace. So let's just ask a few questions about that. What are these? First of all, who who has these gifts? Who has these gifts that that God has given? Secondly, um, what are they? What are the gifts? And then finally, why do, we, why do we use them? What are they for? Okay, so first let's look at that who question. Who, who are the recipients of these gifts? Well, it's pretty clear from the text. Uh, Peter says, each of you, each of you. And Peter, Paul agrees. He says in Ephesians 4, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned it. So against those in the church who perhaps saw as some people being more important or having a greater spiritual status than others, both Paul and Peter say, no, no, that's not the way the church works. Each person is wonderfully unique and uniquely gifted and entrusted with particular gifts that God has called you to use. The church is not a basketball game where there's you know, a, a small collection of gifted individuals working hard and running around on the basketball floor while everyone else is spectating. There are no bench warmers in the community of Christ. There are no spectators even in the community of Christ. Each person who knows Jesus and is full of the Spirit has given abundant gifts from God. And I mean everybody. Y'all, y'all kids, you guys are gifted. You have gifts from God. The oldest person in the room, I'm not going to guess who you are, but you're here. 
You've been gifted. You have unique contributions. From the strongest to the weakest, from the most able-bodied to the most disabled, all of us are given unique gifts, ways that we can uniquely contribute to the work of God in and through his church. And what that means is, I mean, I don't know if you thought about this, but you are so valuable. Each of you are so valuable to God. And at a time when so many of us, I myself included, struggle with self-esteem and struggle with knowing sometimes whether we actually have purpose in the world and whether our, 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 we, we have any kind of meaningful contribution to make, I want you to know you are deeply valuable to Jesus Christ. He saved you. He chose you. He brought you here. He given you gifts. He has some particular work that only you can do. You are of great value to the king. Do you believe that about yourself? And do you believe that about the other people in this room? Sometimes that's harder than the first. I love what John Stott says. He says, uh, we should all talk to ourselves somewhat as follows. I am a unique person. And that's not conceit. It's a fact. If every snowflake and every blade of grass is unique, how much more is every human being? My uniqueness is due to my genetic endowment, my inherited personality and temperament, my parentage, upbringing and education, my talents, inclinations and interests, my new birth and spiritual gifts. By the grace of God, all of it's a gift. I am who I am. I love this question. This is a great question to ask yourself. How then can I, as the unique person God has made me to be, be stretched in the service of Christ and of people so that nothing he has given me is wasted and everything he has given me is used? You were made to count. Each of us has the gifts, okay? So that's the who. What about the what? What are these gifts that Peter and Paul keep talking about? Well, again, going back to our text, this is very interesting. If you look at the scripture again, it says, each of you should use whatever gift, and what Greek word is that? Charisma. You have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace, which is the Greek word, charis. So Peter is actually doing a play on words here. He's saying, the gifts, the charisma, flow from the grace, which is the charis. They're of the same piece. The gifts flow from grace. All of the gifts are manifestations of God's grace in your life. And what's also interesting here is that he says the grace is not uniform. You see there at the end, he says God's grace in its various forms. See you, baby Quinn. Bye. In its various forms. Forms And that word is a Greek word also. I'm teaching you all lots of Greek these days. Poikilos, poikilos, which means various or variegated or multicolored or diverse. Um, it's a wonderful image. I mean, I actually, I don't know why. It's probably silly, but I, I have the picture of the Pink Floyd album uh, cover in my head where that light is coming into the prism and the other side is coming out in this multicolored. That's the vision that I'm getting here is that God's grace falls through the Spirit on God's people and it hits God's, it hits the church and it just refracts out into a thousand different multicolored patterns, all the different kinds of gifts that God has poured out on his people. And so I think that Peter and Paul are speaking of all the kinds of gifts that we've been given, whether time or treasure or talent, whether spiritual gifts or natural gifts, whether temperament or personality, whether age or stage or story, whether possessions, he mentions homes and hospitality here, whether possessions or wealth, all of these gifts originate in God's grace and have been poured out upon us in all their multiplicative diversity to show the variegated beauty of God's goodness. 
Paul says something similar in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all people. Notice it's so Trinitarian, right? The gifts come from the spirit, the service, but the same Lord, the Lord Jesus, and the working coming from the same God. So God himself is diversity in unity, Father, Son, and Spirit, one God. And the diverse yet unified God pours that upon his own people that they might reflect his diversity in our unity. Isn't that beautiful? And so there are so many different kinds of gifts. There are so many different kinds of ways of using those gifts. There are so many different kinds of working and effectiveness that there is, every Christian is as different indeed as a snowflake. So consider your gift, anything that God has given you that originates in his grace and shapes you for your unique contribution to his body. What are the gifts? Anything that originates in his grace, a gift that shapes you for your own unique contribution to Christ's body. So think about that, whether it's your skills, your gifts, your abilities, your time, your upbringing, your experiences, your personality, your family, your possessions and your wealth, all of these are gifts given to you by Jesus for use in his work. So we've looked at the, woo, the who, looked at the what, and finally, let's look at the why. Why are these gifts given? And Peter is clear. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. Paul, in Ephesians 4, says, Christ gave the gifts to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up until we all reach maturity, attaining to the whole measure of God in Christ. So the gifts have been given for the sake of love, for the sake of service, for the sake of building up the body of Christ, as Vicky spoke about earlier. Um, there's a lot of emphasis these days on knowing yourself, and I really think you should. I mean, it's really important to know yourself. And there's lots of assessments and tests out there to know your spiritual gifts or determine your personality or your strengths finders or your Myers-Briggs or your Enneagram profile or whatever it may be. And I love all that stuff. It's really important. But sometimes that work can become a big old act of navel-gazing, right? Where you just begin to delve deep into how special you are and gaze deeply to find your own personality and discover your own self-actualization, but what I want to exhort you to know is that knowing yourself, knowing your gifts, is not about finding yourself. It's more about finding your place in the community, finding your unique contribution so that you might become a more a part of God's mission through his church in the world, knowing yourself so you can more effectively serve and build up the body. And if you don't, you'll never grow. You'll never become the person that God made you to be. There's two bodies of water in Israel. There's the Sea of Galilee and there's the Dead Sea. And both of them have inflow coming in. You know, the, the Sea of Galilee is fed from the north. And the Dead Sea also has flowing in from the north. But only the Sea of Galilee is flowing out. It is feeding the Jordan River. And therefore, it is fertile. It is verdant. It is life-giving. But the Dead Sea is receive-only mode. Everything feeds in. Nothing feeds out. And it is dead. And it is stale. And the church is that sea, that verdant sea, where we're flowing in and grace is flowing out. You have received. Now let others receive from you. If you don't, you will become a self-decaying cul-de-sac of selfishness. That's the why. We use our gifts to serve each other in love and to bring God glory. So 
Let's end with some practical applications like previous weeks about how we can be a community that gives and serves. Well, the first thing I would say is, and this is kind of simple, you just participate in community actively. Um, building on last week, church is not a once-a-week event. It is an oikos, a spiritual family um, called in love to one another, and that necessitates participation and involvement uh, beyond coming to once-a-week service, as important as that is. I just want to say it again. This is not a professional event where spiritual experts are putting on a show to provide you with spiritual goods. If that's what you think church is, you will be formed not as a contributor, but as a consumer. And you are so much more than a consumer. You are someone who is made to count. You are made to create. You are made to contribute. And the church is a body in motion, a family in action, loving and serving and sending and giving and caring and seeking and advocating and proclaiming and giving in each other's homes, in each other's lives, out in the world. If you're not woven, woven in to Christian community, using your gifts and receiving the gifts of others, then you won't grow, we won't grow, the church won't grow, the gospel won't advance. We need you, and you need us. We need each other. So that's my first encouragement to you. Take your next step in getting into deeper community. We can help you with that. Second, I'm just going to say it straight up. Give your money generously. This is a way that we practice faithful stewardship in the church. Our financial giving is a powerful act that is not just about your personal finances, but is about building our community into full maturity. Um, I've told you the story before about my friend Kevin, who really, really, really wanted a treehouse when he was a kid for Christmas. And it was Christmas morning, and he ran out into the backyard, and he looked up to the tree where the treehouse was supposed to go, and there was nothing there. And his dad said, go around to the front of the house. And so he ran around the house to the front, and there in the driveway was a pile of lumber. <laughs> And his dad came up behind him and said, we're going to build it together. And he said, in hindsight, that was the greatest gift he ever received. Because, you know, from that, in that moment, he, he was pulled out of being a consumer and he was made into a creator. He was made into a contributor. And there's something very powerful, right, that happens when we give of our time and our talents and our treasure for the sake of one another. Giving is an act of powerful community building. There's I mean, there's something truly unique about the Christian act of giving in the church, what we do every Sunday, because normally all of us approach our finances so privately in such an isolated way. But in the church, every week we give publicly, collectively, and liturgically as an act of the worship of God. In doing so, we are demonstrating that we are not isolated individuals, each deciding on our own private, spiritual, charitable giving. No, we are a community coming together to build something collectively that is bigger than any one of us individually, and in doing the work of God, we are stewarding what God has given us for the work of one another. So this is why, even though many of us give online, we still pause every week for an offering, and we say these powerful words from 1 Chronicles 29, for all things come from you, and what we now offer, already yours, God, already yours, right? Giving is a powerful act that builds up God's church. Finally, I would encourage you to use your gifts sacrificially. I just want you to maybe take some time this week. This, is, this would actually be a great exercise for you to do an inventory of your gifts. I mean, actually, like, take out a piece of paper and just begin writing down um, all of the things that God has given you. And maybe even after each one, just say a little, you could even say a little liturgy. You could say, hear the praise of this grateful heart. You could just write down your your 
your time, your talents, your treasures, your spiritual gifts, your natural abilities, your interests, your feelings, your perception of needs, your effectiveness. You know, some of you walk into a room and, and you're scanning for the outsider because you have the, the gift of, of bringing others on the outside in. Some of you look at a, a spreadsheet and your heart begins beating fast because you're, you know, you long to get out to excel. You know, like we, you know, pay attention to those things. Name your gifts. Thank God for each one of them. There's a shape, uh, there's this assessment online called SHAPE, which stands for spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, uh, personality, and experiences. And you can take this assessment. I'll send it in my email this week. And you can assess, your, you know, take an inventory and thank God for all the gifts. But remember, it's not just about identifying your gifts. It's about stewarding them for the master's use. As Lynn Miller says, stewardship is the act of organizing your life so that God can spend you. To take everything you have, time and talent and treasure, and surrendering it to the master's use for his people. And I love seeing the creative ways that you do this. I remember seeing Elva White in her very elderly years before she died, still making and sending cards to people who needed encouragement. I love showing up here on a Wednesday night and seeing all the people who are serving Club 56 in the basement or tutoring kids in our refugee and immigrant tutoring program. Um, I love seeing people like um, my friend Bob or Don who use their business acuity to help bring justice to the city through affordable housing and jobs creation. Um, I love seeing um, musicians using their gifts and skills to contribute to the body. I love seeing you use your homes to open it up for parish groups or student ministry. I love seeing families like the Withrows actually literally see their family as a gift to steward as they bring in foster child after foster child. I love seeing the retirees in our church who give up time and money to invest in younger leaders. I am just amazed by some of you who choose deliberately to live below your means so you can give radically, generously, and sacrificially far beyond what is expected of you. So there is an infinite number of ways for us to creatively steward what Jesus has given for his purposes in the world. If you're looking for ways to serve, we've got this little blue thing up around the church and there's a website link on our website where you can just see all the different ways that you can serve your community. In all of this, we are just simply giving what belongs to him. Like a little kid asking for a few dollars to buy a present for their mom or dad, we are only giving to God what God already owns. But God delights in it. Oh, he delights in it because he delights in you. So every time I get in my car, I remember that I'm not just stepping into a vehicle. I'm stepping into a story. I'm stepping into a story of the grace of God in action through God's people. It is a story of grace. And that is the story that we get to be a part of, church. That's the story we get to be a part of, the story of grace. Grace flowing in, grace flowing out, grace pulsing in, grace pulsing out. And all of that grace is rooted and grounded and originating in the gift himself, Jesus Christ, who had all the time, all the talent, all the treasure, all the power, all the glory, all of it. And what does he do with the infinite worth that Jesus holds at his disposal as a member of the triune God? He pours it out. Pours it out for you, pours it out for me, pours it out for us that we might have life, that we might receive his gifts. You were made to count. You were made to have such significance, a life that matters. And that life will happen as you pattern your life after Jesus, the one who stewarded all, who took his all that he had and used it in pouring it out for others. So let's live that story, friends. Let's live that story, church. Let's let grace flow in. 
and let it flow out. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have abundantly poured out grace on us. And we pray that we would be those who take stock, take inventory of all that we've been given and that we would in turn be those who serve and give to one another in love and that you would build us up into full maturity in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.